We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And good morning, everybody, and welcome in to Inside the Clubhouse. Glad to have you with us alongside Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito, and we have a... Another big show for everybody today, Absolutely. Bruce. We have guests galore. We have information for you on Cubs and White Sox. We have interactive phone lines at 312-644-6767. Text Mike at 6711. We'll read everything that he can repeat on the air. And uh, Cubs are hot Mike. White Sox still waiting for Jimenez and Kopech. We expect to talk to Michael Kopech on our show today. By the way, Mike, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by our friends at Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your summer home for great food, the best restaurant, deli, and bakery in Chicagoland, planning summer parties. Max and Benny's caters seven days a week. Discounts and free delivery with $200 or more in orders. Try Max and Benny's private dining room and meeting area, seating 10 to 150. Ask for John at maxandbennys.com. The most sumptuous corned beef, pastrami, and locks for kids' camps, lunches, moving on to school time as well. Love you some Max and Bennys in Northbrook. Love you some Chicago Cubs right now, Mike, because right now they have their biggest lead of the 2018 season, four and a half games over the Milwaukee Brewers Five games over the St. Louis Cardinals. And the most important aspect of the standings from now till the end of the year, the loss column. Six games on both teams in the loss column. And for for the fan base that is uh, craving that Cubs-Cardinals grand finale finish, the Cardinals are doing their best. They have won nine of their last ten. They have climbed right back into this thing in the Central. And as you mentioned, they are now only a half game behind the Milwaukee Brewers. And the, uh, the the Cubs are going to have to continue to play good ball, and they've just turned another double play. That's the good news. Only seven yesterday, <laughs> tying a uh, major league record, only done twice before. Uh, Cole Hamels, you know, fantastic. If there's a better addition to the team at the trading deadline in major league baseball, you're going to have to point it out to me because Hamels has been spectacular. Our Cubs discussion brought to you by the Chicago Wolves, who will kick off their 25th anniversary season and defend their back-to-back Central Division titles on home ice on October 13th. You won't want to miss out on this special season. Visit ChicagoWolves.com. Bruce mentioned Michael Kopech during the 10 o'clock hour. Doug Glanville will join us from NBC Sports Chicago uh, during this hour. And, of course, your calls uh, and your texts at 312-644-6767. Mike, you uh, Darvish is coming back. Uh, he's starting a rehab Sunday. I'll be there covering for 670 The Score, 670thescore.com. Uh, there in South Bend. First time he's up on the mound again, uh, three weeks. Uh, last time he started the end of June in South Bend and re-injured himself. So this is a big start. Theo Epstein uh, was on with uh, our good friends Danny Mack and Danny Parkins, our great uh, afternoon show, uh, talking about you um, Darvish and uh, what they're expecting of him coming back. You don't take an extreme position one way or the other. You, we don't. We don't assume he's going to come back and be, uh, you know, his top of top of his form, finishing second in the Cy Young Award, striking everybody out. And and, and you also don't 
you don't uh, assume that you're getting absolutely nothing out of him. There's, there's a probability associated with his, with his return, and there's a probability associated with you know all the possible outcomes in terms of the uh, qualitative performance as well. So, um, you know, we'll just uh, try to be pragmatic about it, monitor it every step of the way, and see where it takes us. It just depends what, what September looks like. You know, I think if, uh, if he can get back to the point where he's throwing in big spots and executing his pitches and getting hitters out in big situations, you know, that, that, that transfers. We're going to play some big games. It's not like we're in spring training. We're going to, he's, he's going to step back into a situation where we're playing big games and, uh, you know, we'll see what he can do. I'm sure Joe will you know, create the right environment for him early, but as, as if we're lucky enough for him to pitch well, he's going to get increased responsibility. Theo Epstein on our afternoon show on Thursday talking about uh, you, Darvish. And uh, it's interesting. Everybody wants to know when he's going to come back. Jim Hickey, the pitching coach who does a weekly show with Mully and Haw, was on with them Wednesday. Here's a progression of how you might see Darvish coming back and when he'll be back. If he threw his simulated game on the 14th, he'd be eligible to pitch on the 19th. This is in a perfect world now, uh, 24th and 29th, and there you go. It would be right at the beginning of September if all went well. And, you know, this is great information. Uh, You know, our shows have these wonderful guests on, and they do such a great job of interviewing them. I haven't read anywhere, you know, other than our website, the fact that Hickey talked about the fact that early September Mm -hmm. is going to be the probably the time. So I I have it dialed into if if nothing goes wrong with Darvish – and he continues on. Yep. It's September the 3rd. The Cubs are in Milwaukee. Darvish has had three good starts uh, this year out of eight. Two of them have been against Milwaukee. So that would be the timeline for you, Darvish, with, with no stops. And that's a road start. You just heard 19th, which is Sunday. So, and you'll be there in South Bend tomorrow, 24th, 29th. And then that puts him on track for, for at Milwaukee. So fingers crossed. And and you heard Theo in the previous cut when asked, you know, is he part of your October plans? Well, let's see how he does in September. That would give him all of September to try to get back to, to form. Now, I watched him uh, throw his uh, session on Wednesday. It was a, a sim game. The third inning, he was letting it out. He was hitting 93 on the gun. So, um, again, there's no question he has the stuff. There's no question he has a desire now. It's a question of no hiccups because if there is a hiccup along the way, it's probably out of the question for, for 2018. For the rest of the year. Yep. This hour brought to you by Glenview Park Golf Club. Experience the best at Glenview Park Golf Club. Visit golfglenview.com. 312-644-6767. Bruce, uh, your public awaits you. We, uh, we want to uh, get your thoughts on what's going on with the Chicago Cubs, who despite uh, two straight wins in Pittsburgh, uh, some nail-biting. That offense is struggling, and uh, let's talk about it with uh, Matt out in River North first. Hey, Matt, good morning. Hey, fellas. Hey, Bruce, I had a few questions for you. I got into an argument with a friend of mine, and he was questioning the Cubs player development, and he was saying they're all high draft picks. But I'm like, well, what about Contreras? What, you know, what about David Bodie? I mean, I think they've drafted better than just about any team in baseball in, and, and developed players better than any team in baseball over the last few years. Players, not pitchers. Well, would you yeah. consider Hendricks as someone they developed? Yes, I would, because uh, he, he did spend a year and a half in their minor leagues as after he came over from Texas in that trade uh, with, with them back about four years ago. So, yeah, I would say I would say they probably haven't gotten enough credit for developing because most of the 
draft picks you see, and the argument from your friend was they're number one picks, they're expected to show up. Well, not everybody's number one pick shows up. They have five playing for them uh, right now, which is is pretty sensational. So, well, and I would agree with you uh, on that. I mean, it, because just because you're a number one pick, you still got to. They all know how to play the game right, too. You can see the way they run the bases. Yeah, I don't know about the base running of uh, Ian Happ yesterday. Yeah. I, I, I might Thank take, you, Matt. I might take a we, exception to that. That was one of the dumber plays of the year. Yeah, let's jump in on that because we both uh, mentioned that this morning. Uh, so it's the inning. eighth inning. Eighth inning, go ahead, sorry. So it's the eighth inning. There's one out. Happ is on second base. Uh, there's a left-handed hitter up. Uh, I believe it was Rizzo. Zobrist. Zobrist. You have the middle of the order up, one out, man in scoring position in a one nothing game. And uh, now keep in mind, it's a left-handed hitter right now. Mm-hmm. So there's a clear sight for the catcher. Now they're playing a shift over toward first base. So the idea was that Hep thought the third baseman would not be able to get back to cover he tries to steal third. He's out by about three three feet. Looked like me trying to steal third. It looked yes. like a, an old Ron Santo slide <laughs> into the dirt five, three feet in front of the bag. But it's a bad play any way you cut it. It's yeah. a, because it's a huge run. You have the middle of the order up, and you don't try to steal second, third base when you're already in scoring position. Uh, I understand the young man's intent. I get to third base, and a grounder or a fly ball scores me. But you have the middle of the order up. Uh, you have to allow that to happen, unless you 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 have a clear cut steal where no, but there's not going to be a play. You can't even attempt it at that point, and it was a bad play. And quite obviously, the uh, the batter Zobris then promptly singled to right, which would have scored Hap and made it two nothing instead of one nothing. Now, as it as it turns out, they still won the game, but. It could have ended very poorly. It could have cost you know, them the our, game. our friend uh, Len Casper does such a great job with JD on TV. Um, always talks about how the Cubs are an outstanding base running team. I take exception to that. I think that they have three or four base runners that are very good base runners. Mm-hmm. Then I think they have some guys who have a a low perspective of what base running is all about and. Uh, uh, kind of a low baseball IQ when it comes to understanding situations. That can be overcome. It can be learned. Uh, you hate to see it at the major league level, but when you're making important outs at third base uh, within a one nothing game, uh, it, uh, it really is the wrong thing to do. And luckily the Cubs win that game, and it's kind of washed away, but – uh, that was a huge run that was a potential run that was wiped out. Russell did it uh, a few weeks back, right? In Pittsburgh, was yeah, it? He had an RBI double. It was 5-4. to four. He tries to stretch it to a triple. He's thrown out, making it uh, one out in the ninth inning, and nobody on base. And, and we have mentioned in the past, and you mentioned it too, I love watching Chris Bryant on the bases. We know El Mago does his magic on the bases. Wilson Contreras uh, has shown uh, signs on the bases. So, I, mean, I mean, Rizzo's usually a good base sure. runner. He got doubled up yesterday, but he's a good base runner. Um, Zobris is a, a good base runner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Elmore uh, has his moments, okay? He has his moments on the bases. So the, the, the one thing that you like about the Cubs is that they're very aggressive, okay? Very aggressive on the bases, but you have to be aggressive and smart. Uh, 
We have a lot of phone callers. We're going to get to you uh, probably right after we uh, talk to Doug Glanville coming up. In the meantime, uh, you're listening inside the clubhouse, number 312-644-6767. Everything Cubs and Sox every Saturday between 9 and 11. We'll give you some more tape. We'll give you some updates on Chris Bryant and Brandon Morrow. We will talk uh, a little bit with Carlos Rodon about uh, the White Sox and expectations uh, in that clubhouse and what's going on there. Your calls and Doug Glanville coming up next. It's inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. And we are back on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Inside the clubhouse, we are here every Saturday morning for you until 11. Scott, Steve, George, everyone on hold, please stick around. We will get to your calls as soon as we're done with our old buddy. Well, we talk an awful lot about uh, Cubs' number one draft picks. On now, the there team. we have one. Well, we have one. He's not on that team, but he's on the team for NBC Sports Chicago. Does such a great job with uh, Len and JD as well as in the pre and post game. Doug Glanville joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Yeah, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. How's that Baltimore airport treating you right now? Oh, lovely. You might hear an announcement or two in the background. That's all right. If it's important, (laughs) let us know, okay? (laughs) We'll be good. Maybe I'll announce some major trades over here or something. So you're working until midnight last night, and then you hit a plane for for two rides uh, going back home. Uh, You're a busy guy these days, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's um, but anything uh, is is lesser than what it was going on when I was playing, you know, all the flying. So it's pretty comfortable. I'm, I'm used to travel. And, uh, no, it's worked out pretty well. Cole Hamels, uh, what can you say about uh, the uh, shot in the arm that he's given the Cubs? And are you surprised, Doug, uh, how much he's had left in the tank after, you know, having, you know, pretty ba- pretty bad year for uh, Texas and really not being the, the same guy over the last few seasons that he was uh, so dominant 10 years ago? Yeah, I, I am a little bit surprised. I mean, I, the, certainly it wasn't a question of velocity. His stuff was still there, uh, you know, just sort of, uh, well, certainly I played in Texas, so I know that's a launching pad. That did not play favorably for him. And, uh, you know, in 08, he was so incredibly, uh, you know, sharp during the postseason, you know, MVP and all. He, you know, he was a guy that may just have needed a shot in the arm, just an opportunity to get out of Texas and go to a place where he has an opportunity to win. So, uh, you know, you put that together and, um you know, you, you, I just think back to Theo Epstein's comments when they uh, acquired Epstein. Uh, I'm sorry, acquired Hamill. And the main thing was talking about his pitch selection sequencing. It wasn't a conversation about lost velocity. So uh, now he seemed to find both. He has his, his velocity, he has his location, his changeup, and his secondary pitch is all working. And, and uh, with that type of stuff, he's going to be successful. Well, and, and we certainly saw some baseball oddities last night. Uh, the fact that the Cubs turned a double play just about every inning there, seven tying a major league record. I mean, Lennon J.D. kept calling them, but of course, I mean, all you had to do was spit it out anytime there was a guy on first, and there you had it. Your double play was coming. You know, that, that speaks to Hamill's ability to induce, you know, somewhat weak contact, but also just getting guys to keep, pound it right into the ground. And, you know, when you're a guy that can throw historically velocity, gets a lot of strikeouts with his change up over time, and to see a guy mature in a way that he's able to say, all right, well, I don't need the strikeout here. I'm going to get the two-for-one sale. And, uh, and, and you know, as, a, as a hitter, if you're hitting against the Hamels and you're seeing these double plays unfold, uh, you know, it's, it's really frustrating because it's almost like throwing a rock and, you know, it's literally the two, you know, two birds with one stone. And those are absolute rally killers. And 
to see that seven times uh, in a shutout is is highly remarkable. Doug Glanville from NBC Sports Chicago joining us and in inside the clubhouse. Doug, uh, last week uh, A Rod and Joe uh, had their conversation. Um, you know, there was that situation where you have a clubhouse and somebody gives unattributed sources talking about that they're not happy about Darvish, the way he's doing his rehab. A-Rod reports it. A-Rod has his meeting with Joe. Uh, Then uh, there's a report that it was a fiery report, unattributed source again saying that it was fiery. Joe saying it's irresponsible. Can you talk about, you know, from your long experience of being a player, how important it is to keep things in the clubhouse and uh, more importantly, you know, even when there are questions in the clubhouse, making sure it doesn't get out and how you dealt with unattributed sources on teams that you played on. Well, I'll tell you, Bruce, I mean, it could be toxic. Uh, you know, clubhouses are, are homes in some regards. This is your baseball family or you're going to spend all this time. And the trust factor is important. I mean, you're not going to get along with everybody as long as you have a certain respect for the job at hand and, and the teamwork. But there's no question that players, you know, I remember talking to Wayne Gomes, a teammate of mine. He's like, like, I wouldn't tell people what kind of orange juice Mike Lieberthal drinks, let alone <laughs> get deeper, you know. So you're really careful about that, the, the privacy, the integrity of the, of the locker room. And uh, I'll give you a great example, too. Scott Rowland, who was, you know, eventually left Philadelphia, was traded over to St. Louis and didn't really want to sign and just sort of kept, you know, holding out and got his one-year deal and said, all right, you know, we'll see what happens. And we had a, a meeting because there was four quotes in the paper talking about how Scott Rowland's a cancer in the locker room, all anonymously sourced, supposedly coming from players. And uh, and we had a team meeting, and it was heated. They were trying to find out who the sources were, all kind of stuff. Because, you know, once you have that sort of doubt about friendly fire, right. you start to really uh, – it can compromise your focus. And, uh, and so, you know, them, Joe Madden trying to handle it, nip it in the bud, and really – open up lines of communication uh, is something that's really important. And because, you know, everybody's going through a lot of privacy, you know, things in their life, family, and, you know, you try to keep it to a minimum. These days it's social media and just media doing their job. It's, it's, it's hard to keep everything, but uh, there are certain sacred things you got to keep close to vest. And, and uh, one of the veteran cub players told me it's an unattributed source, by the way, uh, <laughs> right. that, uh, the, the key is they don't care about anything else other than the fact that they don't want to have to start looking around the room to see who's talking outside of the room. That That's the number one thing. Uh, you know, this, yeah. they, they t- call those guys, they call those guys pipelines, you know, when they're right. the pipeline and it could be to the media, it could be to the front office. And that is not a good label to have. Right. And, and you know, how much does that equate into winning, losing and having a harmonious group that uh, can function on a daily basis? Well, I think, you know, looking at, I played on a lot of teams and many of major league weren't successful, but I can't pinpoint one thing to say, this will destroy a team and sink a team. Some teams thrive in controversy. Uh, others, you know, you know, we had a really wonderful team. Uh, may he rest in peace when Corey Lytle and I played together in Philly and, and we were great friends. Everybody was cool, but we were terrible. <laughs> so, so right. um, but you know, they talk about distractions and you talk about focal points. I think the frustration and the tension can just wear at you. It's a long season. It's a long year, especially in August, where it starts to get really slow. And you need to, you know, be positive looking forward and feel like you're, you have each other's back. 
and nothing can c- compromise that more than just leaks constantly coming out of the locker room and not knowing who you're talking to and trying to you know, all of a sudden you're hiding information from each other and uh, it can get really um, tense very quickly. And Doug, uh, maybe I think some of this discussion goes right into the NL Central race because St. Louis has has been red hot. And I know when when Mike Matheny was let go, there was talk of you know uh, people being his guys in the clubhouse and you know kind of the back channel stuff that you're talking about. And now they're I mean they're playing great baseball. Obviously, the on the field stuff contributes, but but just perhaps there's a there's a better vibe in that clubhouse and it's rubbing off on the players. Absolutely. And, and change of scenery can never be underestimated. It, you know, you don't do it just to do it, but there's times it just fits. The, you know, you, things run its course. Uh, you know, philosophies run their course. And the managers that adapt really well, you know, say like a Joe Madden, who as a veteran guy who had been in development his whole life, was able to embrace some of the, you know, the metrics, the analytics, and come up with ways to balance that with sort of his instincts for the game. Uh, you know, so those who can evolve can can probably endure uh, but you know if your culture is so set in stone and then you have a whole d- different group of players different backgrounds different cultures different ages priorities it can be hard to uh, you know sort of resonate with that new group and clearly something was going off the rails with Mike Matheny in St. Louis but they've had a boost now and, and now you have to look at them as a as a threat to the Cubs opportunity. In closing with you Doug we appreciate your time today and inside the clubhouse are the Cubs good, uh, average, below average base running team? And by that, I'll preface it by saying Brian Butterfield came in here to help with the uh, with the base running as well as the infield play. I think he's added a lot of aggressiveness. Is this team too aggressive in their secondary leads? Do they have too are, do too many of them think that they're Javier Baez when they're on the bases? <laughs> no, they're they're a really good base running team. I mean. Um, so, yes, if you're aggressive, you're going to make mistakes or maybe just aggressive choices that you get. Um, you know, you think about stolen bases, like, okay, Ian Happ last night, not the best situation. But if you're stealing third with one out, that is that is probably the best one you could choose because with no outs and two outs, the, the difference between run expectancy shift of making it and not making it is a, is a big problem. So that rule holds fast. Don't get thrown out of third with no outs or two, two outs. Right. Uh, so I think, you know, but there's no question that Javi Baez and Contreras, uh, the whole team has this aggressive style. But for the most part, going first to third, quantifiably, they're very successful. One of the best, if not the best in baseball, uh, being able to extend that extra bag. So I, I'd say overall, it's a plus. Um, there's times where you're like, you shake your head, like Contreras got thrown out a second once the ball's right in front of him, he hit it to right field. You're like, okay, where is he going? Right. Um, but for the most part, their aggressiveness has been solid. I mean, David Bodie, excellent. Chris Bryant, by the way. I mean, we say it, yeah. but it really has, cannot sure. be. He is incredible as base runner. So, um, no, no doubt that they, um, it's it's an asset to this team. Doug, we appreciate your time. Have a, a good secondary flight with your secondary <laughs> right. lead, and uh, we we love uh, hearing you on NBC NBC Sports Chicago. Keep up the great work, and see you at the ballpark. Okay, guys. Thanks right, for having thanks. me. Doug Glendale adds a tremendous amount to those broadcasts. He's uh, such an intellectual guy as far as breaking things down and making it very clear uh, in a, you know, the way that he uh, does it and doesn't really pull any punches. Our chat with Doug brought to you by Northwestern football coach Fitz and the Wildcats host Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Illinois, and more this fall at Ryan field. 
season and single game tickets on sale now nu sports let's get back to the phone lines 312-644-6767 text 6711 cubs socks we're talking about darvish coming back when will bryant be making his way back to the lineup will morrow who is going to do a side session today will he be ready to make it by the end of september or postseason or earlier uh, big question marks. When will Michael Kopech make it to the major leagues? All questions we hope to help you or you help have help us answer here mm-hmm. on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, let's head out to the phone lines. Bruce Lake in the Hills first. Scott joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, so my question is really simple. So the, the Cubs have 41 games. I believe Milwaukee has... Um, a few less because they because the Cubs are um, a few games behind them actually playing games, right? Milwaukee is uh, 68 and 56. Quick math, that's 124 takeaway. So they have 38 games left. Yeah, and so you're looking at the standings. So I'm looking at if the Cubs win roughly two-thirds of their games left, they'll be at 100, right? They'll be at 100 wins. That put them at uh, – they need like 29 more wins to yeah. get them to the- – they, they don't need that to win. Yeah. Right. What's my question is what wins this division? Because that'll really because the Cubs legitimately only have to play one game over five hundred in forty one games, and they'll yeah. win ninety two. Does yeah, 92, 90, win it? 92 or three wins the division? Okay, uh, be, so that because, because they're they're playing that, that would be that six hundred ball. Yeah, that doesn't give them that that gives them a little bit of cushion. But I think they're going to win a few more than that. So thank you guys, I appreciate it. All right, thanks. Well, Scott. you know what? Uh, it, it's funny when you play with the numbers, Mike. Scott uh, making me do math there. Yeah, well, I mean, they have six game <laughs> they have six game lead in the loss column, which is huge. Yep. Okay, because uh, there's nothing you can do about the loss column. There, uh, it's it's a very insidious number as you go down to the end of the season. Six is a big number, but they have a lot of games left with the Cardinals, with Milwaukee. Yep. Um, so they hold serve in those games. Uh, you know, ideal, ideally, Milwaukee and St. Louis are playing each other this weekend. You hope they go uh, win, lose, win, you know, so that um, nobody continues mm-hmm. to get hot or close to you. The four-and-a-half game lead, Mike, is the biggest lead that the Cubs have had all season long. They've never been more than four and a half games behind since the beginning of the year. This is their biggest lead of the season. So uh, even though there's a lot of nervous Cub fans looking at the fact that the offense hasn't been that good, the starting pitching up until these last two uh, has not had a lot of length, last three actually, because you had uh, six innings out of uh, Hendricks, then six innings and no runs out of – Lester, seven innings yesterday uh, out of Hamels in an outstanding start once again. So is that rotation gaining uh, strength as the offense continues to sputter? Uh, the mark of a championship team, Mike, is that you can win in a lot of different ways. And winning two one nothing games when your offense isn't really doing anything except hitting a solo homer in each mm-hmm. game, uh, that's impressive. It's very it's it, impressive. And I I look I just was glancing at the standings as you were talking there Bruce, the Cubs obviously the best team in the National League. We've talked about that. They still haven't put together a run. They right. haven't put together that that hot streak yet. And, and even in the American League, they have, you know, the powerhouses in the AL East, but the Cubs have a better record than the Cleveland Indians. They're right there with with uh, Oakland and Houston. So, I mean, 
despite appearances, and I guess our expectations are are vastly shifted. Right, it's 2016 expectations. Yeah. Uh, that's what Cub fans expect. Uh, the Cubs themselves, uh, I think, are more realistic about the fact that each season takes on its own particular culture, its own particular way of going about. And uh, the one thing that you can say about the Cubs is that they're resilient, they don't scare they can play close games. They can make mistakes and still be in games. Uh, there's no, you know, you, you never see them a panic, even when they make a, a mistake that looks like it's a crucial part of a game. They have a way of coming about it. And the one thing that you, you can't get away from, this has just been a phenomenal bullpen put together yep. by Epstein and Hoyer and handled to perfection by Joe Madden. And this is without your MVP candidate at third base. This is without your closer. This is right. without any contribution from your right. two free agent starting pitchers that you signed in the offseason. I mean, this is it's smoke and mirrors in a way. I mean, they're winning games. So they have no business winning sometimes. So I talked to John Lester this week and I said, uh, you've been around a lot of managers. Uh, has anybody ever handled um, a bullpen better than Joe this year? And he goes, no. He said, he said I know one thing about managing he said some people think it's overrated he said but the bullpen is the biggest thing to handle for a manager and a lot of managers can lose games by mishandling of a bullpen said uh he said I don't think there's been a game this year that I could say look at and go Joe mishandled the bullpen in this situation so that's quite a compliment from a guy that's been around for 15 years and doesn't pull any punches Highland Indiana's next Steve is up on inside the clubhouse good morning Steve Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Um, I want to talk about Michael Kopech a little bit here. In his last 10 starts, Kopech's thrown 59 innings to a 2.14 ERA and 82 to 14 strikeout to walk ratio, so he's really improved. The one issue that he had earlier in the season was his control and his command. Uh, Bruce, for a couple of months now, you've been pushing this narrative that Kopech is the Sox closer of the future. So given his recent run of success, what more does he have to do to graduate to being in the starting rotation? Thanks. Oh, you're right. Um, he's done what he has to do. Um, I'm going to have to change the narrative on Kopech because he's proved he can get into late innings. The most important thing that he's shown me and other people is that he can command his off-speed pitches. And when you throw 98 to 100, Mike, mm-hmm. and you're commanding a slider and a changeup now, um, that shows that you're a competent pitcher ready to move on and compete in the major leagues. So I'm going to back away from the narrative on Kopech as a bullpen guy. I think that's always still in the background because of his extraordinary explosive stuff and the way he carries himself. But he's done everything he can to prove uh, that he deserves to uh, start in the major leagues. And we don't know when that uh, clock is going to start, but he is certainly going to uh, have that chance. And we hope to talk to him in our next hour uh, uh, Michael Kopech joining us uh, from Charlotte. We'll also get uh, an update uh, straight from uh, Theo's mouth about uh, Chris Bryant and the expectation there regarding his shoulder. You mentioned Brandon Morrow uh, scheduled to throw a bullpen today. You'll be going to South Bend to see you Darvish throw in his rehab start tomorrow. So lots going on. We will have it all for you. Carlos Rodon and the White Sox. Uh, we'll hear from him as well. The White Sox ace. I think it's safe. We could call him that at this point. Uh, And more of your calls, George and Joe, when we come back, you'll be first up here on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. Back on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. 
always enjoyable to chat with our buddy Doug Glanville from NBC Sportsnet. Hopefully, we will talk to Michael Kopech in the next hour from the White Sox uh, Charlotte Farm team. Uh, we can't call him a member of the White Sox staff just yet. Yeah, I'm out of the prediction business about uh, Jimenez <laughs> and Kopech. Maybe Michael can fill us in himself when he comes on the show later on as to if he thinks he's going to be here uh, sometime by the end of the season. Uh, the minor league season ends the first week of September, you know, you know, depending on playoff situations and those things. Uh, hopefully, uh, Sox fans will get to see a Michael Kopech and a Eloy Jimenez before the season ends. I'm beginning to wonder if, if we're going to get that chance to see that. It, it, the longer this goes, the more it seems like uh, it, it's going to continue to be a tease, and then it'll be, well, next season you'll see him. Here's one thing that's uh, positive in that way. Both Rick Hahn, the general manager of the White Sox, Kenny Williams, of uh, executive vice president of the team, numerous times in my conversations and personally with them and with uh, other media people, they've said they've talked about the fact that they want these guys to learn and grow together. Mm-hmm. And this is a splendid opportunity for the last month of the season for Kopech and Jimenez, who, you know, arguably will be part of the future for the White Sox when they're contending and being a better ball club, uh, can start to get the feel for what the big leagues are like, uh, be comfortable in a major league clubhouse, understand what travel's like, uh, be with their teammates competing at the highest level. I, th- I think it's it's really underrated for that experience uh, late in the season or at any time of the season, but in particular uh, for these guys who are going to be a part of this mix moving forward. I don't think anybody thinks that uh, Kopech and Jimenez, barring injury, are, are going to be a part of the 2019 White Sox from at least the second week of the season on, depending on how they want to hold on to the, um, you know, the issue of service time and all that stuff. Uh, These are important players and they prove just about all they have to prove in the minor leagues. And and to quote our buddy here, Barry Rosner, seven is always greater than six. And we'll see that with Chris Bryant. We'll see that uh, probably with, uh, with those guys as well. 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. Uh, let's get back out to the phones. Old Town, George is up first. Hey, George, good morning. Hey, gentlemen, great show. Uh, isn't it ironic that the, we've been worrying so much about starting pitching, but it seems that we, we have a plethora of starting pitching, and, and the three top guys are coming around very, very strong. I think it has a lot to do with Cole Hamill coming in, and our fielding is so good, it's got to be a big confidence builder to pitch behind a team like the Cubs. But the two things that worry me the most about the Cubs uh, this year is we got to get Morrow back for the Cardinals and Brewers series. and He's got to be healthy. we got to get a stretch out so we're ready going into the playoffs. And the other thing is hitting with runners for scoring position. How can Jason Hayward be leading the team with in runners in scoring position? And how do we rank as a team? against all the other teams in that category. That's what I wanted to ask you. We'll look it up. Uh, I, I think they're probably mid mid to uh, low, Mike. But, uh, you know, it's you can't drive in people from, that are in scoring position unless you get people on base. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that's been helped, a problem. Yeah. You know, well, this, the, the, the Cubs haven't scored um, in double digits since the All-Star break. Um, they've, they've been a different team with Bryant out of the lineup. Uh, they've had to... Uh, play more of a small ball type game. 
they are not a home run hitting team. That's shocking because before the season began, Mike, a lot of us were talking about the fact that they had seven candidates on this team to hit 20 or more home runs. At this juncture of the season, it appears that it's likely only three guys, more likely two, are going to hit more than 20 home runs. Well, and and I can tell you, and this is not to pick on one guy, but I certainly thought Addison Russell would have more than five. Well, what about Contreras? No, there's no doubt. I mean, and that's why I said not to pick it. You and I both sat here preseason and said Contreras was our dark horse MVP candidate off of this I, roster. I, I didn't <laughs> even say dark horse. I said He's got off nine of what runs, he was doing right? and how important he was shutting down the running game and growing as a pitch framer uh-huh. and as a pitch caller. Uh, you know, to me, you know, the catcher position where you have a guy that can hit and be impactful on both offense and defense to me, it's a no-brainer that a, a catcher like that can be MVP of a league anytime yep. when both things are functioning at a high level. Well, and think about this, Bruce, and we've obviously talked about Jason Hayward uh, and his resurgence this year and how great it is you know, compared to the last two seasons. Hayward has, uh, has uh, seven home runs and 50 RBIs. Contreras has nine home runs and 41 RBIs, and they have roughly the same at-bats. So to say that, that Contreras is uh, underperforming expectations, I think, is certainly accurate. And Hayward, you don't expect him to be a power hitter, but he's driving in runs. He's driving in runs. Uh, He's more back to being the Jason Hayward uh, that he was when he was with the Cardinals and previously Mm -hmm. with the Braves. I think think the power will continue to come along as he continues to be more comfortable with his at-bats. He's had some tremendously important uh, big hits that have won games this year. Uh, so sometimes you see 50 RBIs and you go, well, you know, how many of those really were impactful? I think a lot of his yeah. have been. The walk-off grand slam. I know he had a two-run single breaking up a no-hitter recently. That helped spark the Cubs to to a victory against uh, the Nationals. Right. I was at that Friday afternoon game. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, just the way, Mike, uh, you know, as you point out, just the way this team comes back, you know, 37 games mm-hmm. they've come back, Major League High from uh, being behind and w- then gutting out, you know, gut wrenching games for Cub fans to watch one to nothing wins, you yeah. know, really, you know, nice, nice it's, playoff atmosphere. It, it's, re- it's, it's fun. If you're a baseball fan and you like seeing your team at the top level playing these games, it's, it should be tremendous fun for you. And to George's uh, point, I guess, about getting Morrow back, today's bullpen will be the first time he's thrown off a mound. He's been just playing catch on right. flat ground. So a big step today. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll get good news after that uh, from the Cubs. Yeah, uh, he, hasn't, uh, he hasn't thrown since um, the 18th. He went on the, on the DL the 18th of July. So a month ago. Yeah, over exactly. a month. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, he hasn't thrown for over a month. He went on the uh, DL on the 18th, but uh, you know this is an elbow. It's a guy that throws 98. He hasn't been able to do much. So going from zero to 98, not the easiest thing to do. No. Uh, to Cicero we go. Joe is up next on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Joe. Hey guys, how you doing today? Good. Great show. Great show. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, I'm going to start. You're welcome. I'm going to start. Start. I'm a Dodgers and Yankee fan, but I'm a Chicago baseball fan. Um, I'm a huge Hamels and Darvish fan. Um, here's the issue. What, let's say Darvish comes back and he looks more like the pitcher from last year in the first, and the first two rounds of the playoffs when he, when he pitched against the Cubs and all that. 
Forget the World Series. All right, I'll take that. What do you do? Do you line him up Lester because he's he's Lester, and then do you go Hamels, Darvish, Hendricks, or if or do you go Hendricks and because you got to put Cole Hamels number two right now, if not number one. Well, it depends on uh, who you're lining up against, okay? Because if it's a left-handed hitting dominant team, you might go Lester, Hamels, Hendricks. Um, you might go Lester, Hamels, Hendricks. Quintana, depending on where Darvish is at. Uh, what you're pointing out is something that might really be something special for the Cubs, and that is having too many good pitchers to choose from when you get down to the wire and having a couple really fresh pitchers, especially with Darvish, available. Uh, to me, Darvish is just a, a bonus if he makes it back. He's a total wild card. Uh, if he does, that's great. Uh, if not, I think the Cubs... Uh, with what they have, is still enough to win the division and and go deep into the playoffs. Well, and the great thing about this, and you mentioned it last year, you look at you're looking at a, a playoff rotation of Hendricks, Lester, and you still had Jake Arrieta, obviously, with Quintana sliding in there as well. This year, if you look at the top three, just based on recent performance and how they they appear to line up, certainly with Hamels pitching this way, you've got some combination of Lester, Hendricks, Hamels. With, I mean, who knows about Darvish, but Quintana is your four, right, at this point? The key for Darvish, if he comes back, and keep this in mind because it's really important, and we'll play a cut from Jim Hickey in the next hour about it. The Cubs really don't have swing and miss type starting pitching. And when you get Darvish back at his top level, assuming that's where he'll be at when he comes back, he's a strikeout pitcher. Okay, he averages more than, I think, 10 strikeouts per nine innings in his career. And if you get that dynamic back into a lineup, uh, into a a pitching rotation, that could be something really special. But again, right now it's pie in the sky. He's got to do the work, come back, be healthy, be on the mound September 3rd against Milwaukee. Uh, 317 texture, Bruce, that I agree with. Hamels' success probably creating a little friendly pressure on the rest of the staff, thinking his impact lifts everyone else up too. Uh, certainly uh, coming in and throwing three straight gems is, is helpful. Uh, the other thing, and I want, uh, I'll give you, I'll lay this one uh, up for you uh, about service time, a September call up. And how does that affect controllable years? Yeah. We'll, we'll have to break down the numbers for you. Exactly. Um, you know, you know, again, if they're worried about a seventh year, you know, you might not see Jimenez or Kopech until around the eighth or Ninth game of 2019. Uh, that would be, you know, it, it's based on this. It's 183 games, 183 days per year times six. Okay. Mm-hmm. That allows you to be a free agent. So you have to have 183 games for a, a full year in the big leagues and then times six. Okay. That allows you to become a full-fledged free agent. So teams look at those numbers, and they subtract, and they, they, they want to make sure, like with Bryant, he's, gonna, he's a super two as far as the um, arbitration goes. So he'll go to arbitration four times, but the Cubs will have contract control of him six years plus another year uh, almost in 152 games, you know, where – uh, that first year in 2015 when he came up, they didn't bring him up until the 
eighth or ninth game of the season. Right, and people were, were so freaking out about that. That allows you to have the seventh year, allows which in a case of year. Bryant yep. is 25 to $30 million. If Mr. Reinsdorf, Williams, and Hahn are looking at this the same way, saying, you know, Eloy is a $30 million player of the future, if they want to control that, uh, that's entirely up to them. And to uh, the texter, and I will be brief because we need to break, uh, asking why the loss column is so important. The loss column is our games that you cannot make up, okay? So um, if the Cubs continue to make up the games that uh, they're behind, like three games with Milwaukee, Milwaukee's played three more games, uh, those are games the Cubs have not lost. So the, that's why the significance of the loss column. Only look at the loss column the last month of the year. That tells you everything you know because at the end, there's no half games ahead, half games behind. It's all 162, and that will uh, lead you to your magic number and lead you to a championship. Right. If you've played less games, you still have more to play. You've got to win them, obviously, right. but you haven't lost them. So but, therefore, but six in the loss column is a big number. All right, so here we go. Uh, the next hour, our, our second hour of the show, we hope to talk to Michael Kopech. We'll listen in to Theo talking about Chris Bryant. We'll listen in to Jim Hickey talking about you uh, Darvish and uh, his staff. Carlos Rodon talks about their clubhouse and how and, uh, he uh, sees things on the south side. How do you like your manager this year? How would you rate Joe Madden, Cub fans, White Sox fans? What do you like about Ricky Renteria, and how do you project him as your manager, 312-644-6767. We will be back in a flash. It's inside the clubhouse here on The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.